Section forty two of the Mysteries of London, Volume three. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Mysteries of London, Volume three by George W. M. Reynolds. Fresh Alarms. Rainford was within twenty yards of the house in which he dwelt when a woman jostled him somewhat violently as she endeavoured to pass him while pursuing the same direction there was no excuse for this rudeness on her part inasmuch as the pavement was wide in that particular spot and no other person was on the footway i beg your pardon sir said the female i'm sure but bless me she cried in a shrill unmistakable voice if it isn't mr rainford ah mrs bunce returned the highwayman what are you doing in this neighbourhood so late i'm going to pass the night with a relation of mine that's ill and which lives at the top of the lane answered mrs bunce but oh mr rainford what a shocking thing this is about poor dear mr bones what ejaculated tom with a kind of guilty start why sir he's dead poor man sobbed mrs bunce dead and buried sir Dead buried repeated the highwayman mechanically and how came you to know this his friend mr tidmarsh came and told me and toby about it this blessed morning and in the afternoon we all followed the poor old gentleman to the grave in clerkenwell churchyard his death was sudden then said tom anxious to glean how far the woman might be informed relative to the particulars of the event which she was deploring mr tidmarsh isn't given to gossiping sir replied mrs bunce and he said very little about it it was quite enough for us to know that the poor dear old gentleman is gone and without having made any will either so me and toby are thrown as you may say on the wide world without a friend to help us but mr bones was rich very rich was he not demanded tom who felt particularly uncomfortable at this confirmation of his worst fears for he to some extent looked upon himself as the cause of the old fence's sudden death rich god bless you ah, as rich as a king exclaimed mrs bunce but no one knows where he kept his money unless it is that tidmarsh and where did he die asked rainford at tidmarsh's own place in turnmill street clerkenwell was the answer poor old man but you must have seen him only a short time before he went off mr rainford she added as if recollecting the fact for it was on that very night when he took toby and jacob over with him to a house in lock's field and which turned out to be where you lived you know he stayed with you while jacob and toby went away poor old man he's a great loss a very great loss were you so dependent on him then asked rainford yes almost entirely as i may say was the reply and then there's poor jacob too what in the world he'll do i'm sure i can't say for me and toby can't afford to keep him now that our best friend's gone but good-night mr rainford i must go on to my cousin's for it's very late and she maybe will pop off the hooks before i get to her good-night returned tom slackening his pace so as to allow the woman to proceed as far ahead of him as possible ere he entered his own dwelling which was now close at hand 
in a few moments the form of mrs bunce was lost in the darkness of the night rainford was now convinced that old death was indeed no more and no prompt assistance had resuscitated him even if the vital spark were not extinct at the moment when he saw him for the last time bound to the chair at the house in red lion street yes it was clear enough too clear benjamin bones was dead and tidmarsh had pounced upon all his property well let him enjoy it thought rainford within himself i have enough for my purposes and do not wish to dispute the inheritance with him even if i had the right or the power and yet and yet he mused with a feeling like a contraction of the heart i would give ten years of my own life so that i had not been the instrument of abridging this but it's too late to repent or regret repent did i say i have nothing to repent of i did not do this deed wilfully it was not murder and as for any share that i had in the matter at all that does not seem to be suspected oh i can understand master tidmarsh's proceedings it was no doubt he who entered the room just at the moment when i discovered that old death was dead of course he would say nothing about finding him tied in a chair or of me having been with him that night a word on these heads would have excited suspicions led to inquiries coroner's inquest and all that sort of thing then some relation might have turned up claimed the property and cut tidmarsh out yes yes it is plain enough and tidmarsh is a prudent as well as a lucky fellow but what could the laboratory in that house mean what were those pickled human heads kept in the cupboard for and why was dr lascelles familiar with that den even in the midst of his musings rainford did not hazard a conjecture to account for the mysteries just enumerated they indeed appeared unaccountable the highwayman walked some distance past the door of his lodgings to convince himself that he was not watched by mrs bunce and having assured himself on that head at least so far as he could judge in the darkness of the night he turned back and entered his dwelling the next day was the sabbath and rainford was sitting after breakfast reading a sunday paper in the neat parlour of his lodgings on the other side of the fire sat a young beautiful and dark-haired woman in all the rich flush of jewish beauty the softly sweeping outline and symmetrical undulations of her form being developed rather than concealed by the loose morning wrapper which she wore while the ray of the frosty morning sun glanced on the glossy surface of her raven hair little charlie watts nicely dressed and with his rosy countenance wearing the smiles of happy innocence was seated on a footstool near tom rain looking at a picture-book but every now and then glancing affectionately towards those whom he had already learnt to love as if they were his parents do the advertisements tell you when the next ship will sail from liverpool to new york tom inquired the lady next friday my love answered rainford we will therefore leave london on thursday four more days remarked his female companion oh how glad i shall be when we are out of sight of england and yet she added with a profound sigh i can scarcely bear the thought of parting perhaps for ever you must not give way to those mournful reflections interrupted tom in a kind tone remember that we are going to a country where my personal safety will not be endangered 
where we shall not be obliged to shift our lodgings half a dozen times in a fortnight and where too we need not start at every knock that comes to the door we shall be as happy as the day is long and with the money which i now have at my disposal i may embark in some honest pursuit and earn myself a good name the money will be at the new york bankers before we reach america i suppose said the lady inquiringly to be sure replied tom since i paid it all into the hands of the london agent two days ago have you taken care of the receipt or acknowledgment i locked it up in the little iron box together with all your other papers was the answer and those documents that i brought home with me the other night or rather morning all safe dear tom but really when you allude to that dreadful night you make me shudder oh how long how long did those weary hours seem until you returned when you came up into the bedroom and told me that you were going away with that dreadful man bones that the time had at length come that opportunity had at last served your purposes well my dear girl i recollect all that took place interrupted tom laughing you begged me not to go with him you said you had your misgivings but i was resolved for such an occasion might not have occurred again did i not tell you beforehand when we were down in the country that if i came up to london and purposely threw myself in the way of old death accident would be sure sooner or later to enable me to wrench from his grasp that gold of which he had plundered me and have not my words come true you must not reproach me now dear girl at all events for the danger is over yes and the dreadful man is dead exclaimed the jewess in a tone which expressed a thanksgiving so unequivocally that a cloud for a moment gathered on rainford's brow he is dead and can molest us no more he observed in a serious tone but i could have wished however he added abruptly let us avoid that subject it is not altogether an agreeable one and now to return to our intended departure for america i am somewhat at a loss how to act in respect to that letter which i obtained last night from jacob smith and which so deeply regards he paused and glanced significantly towards charlie what can you do in the matter tom said his beautiful companion the letter is too ambiguous scarcely ambiguous but deficient in certain points of information interrupted rainford which is equally mortifying added the jewess you cannot risk your safety by remaining in england to investigate the affair even if we had not gone so far in our arrangements for departure certainly not replied tom but i was thinking that i would entrust the letter to my friend clarence villiers and who knows but that some accident may sooner or later throw him into the way of sifting the mystery to the very bottom your project is an excellent one answered the jewess but are you sure that he does not suspect suspect what i really am ejaculated the highwayman with that blithe merry laugh of his which showed his fine white teeth to such advantage not he he does not know sir christopher blunt nor the lawyer howard and his acquaintance with that consummate fool frank curtis was always slight and not likely to be improved by all that has occurred for frank must suspect that clarence had something to do with the elopement of old torrance's daughters so all things considered clarence cannot have heard of the little affair by which sir christopher lost his two thousand pounds 
"'Then you will entrust Mr. Villiers with the letter?' said the lady inquiringly. "'Yes, I will call upon him this evening,' responded Tom, "'for I have a little hint to give him relative to a certain aunt of his.' At this moment there was a knock at the front door of the house, and the servant presently made her appearance to inform Rainford that a young man named Jacob Smith wished to speak to him. Tom's brow darkened, as the thought flashed across him that the lad had dogged him on the preceding night. But instantly recovering his self-possession, he desired the Jewess and Charlie to retire to another room, while he received the visitor. When Jacob entered the parlour, Rainford looked sternly at him, but said nothing. "'I know what is, what must be, passing in your mind, sir,' said Jacob hastily. "'But you wrong me. That is, if you think I found out your address by any underhand means of my own.' "'Sit down, my boy,' cried Tom frankly. "'I am sorry if I suspected you even for an instant. "'But what has brought you here this morning, and how—' "'I will explain all in a few moments, Mr. Rainford,' said Jacob. Two hours ago, at about eight o'clock, I went up to Bunce's just to see if they had heard anything of old death, and, to my surprise, I learnt that he was buried yesterday. So I have already heard, but go on. You know I told you last night that yesterday morning two or three people called in Earl Street to inquire about old death, as he had promised to get a thief off at the police court. Well, at that time, it seems, neither Mrs. Bunce or Toby knew what had become of Mr. Bones, but just afterwards, as I am told— and when I had gone away from the house, up goes old Tidmarsh, the fence, with the news that Mr. Bones was dead, and that the funeral was going to take place in a couple of hours. Quick work, wasn't it, sir? So Toby Bunce and his wife went to the funeral, and now it's certain what was really become of old death. Tidmarsh told them he died suddenly three or four days ago, at his house of apoplexy. I'm sure he didn't look much like an apoplectic man. "'The best part of all this I learnt last night, soon after I left you,' said Rainford. "'And I only heard it when I went up to Bunce's this morning,' remarked Jacob. "'Well, sir, when Mrs. Bunce had told me this, she said, "'Jacob, I want you to do a particular favour for me, and I will give you a sovereign.' "'I asked her what it was. "'I'm pretty sure,' she says, "'that Mr. Rainford lives somewhere in Gray's Inn Lane, "'between Lickapond Street and Colthorpe Street.' on the same side of the way as those streets, and you must find out where it is, became I want particularly to know. So I promised her I would, and of course took good care not to say that I had seen you last night, but I was determined to give you notice of Mrs. Bunce's desire to have you watched, and I have been knocking at every door in the neighbourhood, asking if such a gentleman as yourself lived there. In describing you, however, I did not mention any name." "'That was right, Jacob,' said Tom, "'because I am not known as Rainford here. "'But what the devil can the old wretch want with me? "'Has she inherited old death's scheming disposition, "'or does his vengeance pursue me even from the tomb?' "'These last words were totally unintelligible to Jacob, "'who knew not that the highwayman "'had had any share in the death of Mr. Benjamin Bones. "'Of course, sir,' remarked the lad after a pause, "'I shall go to Mrs. Bunce this evening and assure her that no such person as yourself lives in this neighbourhood. I hope you are not offended with me for hunting after you. Far from it, Jacob, returned Tom, for I am sure I can trust you. At the same time, you must be cautious how you act, so as not to let Mrs. Bunce imagine that you are playing her false. 
Try and find out what she wants with me, and meet me at Tullock's tomorrow evening, between seven and eight. No, not at Tullock's either, because that woman knows I'm in the habit of going there. But come to me at the public house in Baldwin's Buildings, where we were last night. Remember, tomorrow evening, at about half-past seven. I shall not fail, sir, responded Jacob, and then he took his departure. The moment he was gone, Rainford hastened up the stairs to the bedroom, whither the Jewess and little Charlie had retired, and closing the door, he said, "'My dear girl, we must be off directly. That horrid woman, Mrs. Bunce, of whom I have spoken to you, is after me, and I am afraid for no good.' "'Off!' exclaimed the lady. "'What, to Liverpool at once?' "'No, but to another lodging, or to a tavern, rather.' "'for it will be difficult to obtain apartments on a Sunday. "'I must stay in town for a day or two longer, "'or at least till I have seen Villiers. "'Come, pack up your things, my love, and let us be gone.' "'Are you afraid of that lad who has just been?' demanded the Jewess. "'Not a whit. He is staunch to the backbone. I will swear to it. "'But he might be followed, or he might commit himself somehow or another "'and betray me involuntarily. "'By the by, ejaculated tom after an instant's pause i tell you what we will do we will return to lock's fields it is clear that mrs bunce has found out that we are not living there now otherwise she would not have sent this jacob to watch me which she has done and she would never suspect that we have gone back to our old quarters so look alive my love and pack up the things while i settle with our landlady here and send for a coach Tom Rain's directions were speedily obeyed, and by midday the Jewess, Charlie, and himself were once more located in Locks Fields. End of section forty two.